In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! On today's Get Ready for the Future show, we are talking economy, your markets, and your economy. How to save today in these inflationary times when you may not be a saver. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. Welcome in, everybody, to the Get Ready for the Future show. John Shrewsbury in for Scott Inman, who is sunbathing in some place sunny <laughs> right now, I have a feeling. Uh, that I'm very jealous about. Yeah, we're not sitting here feeling sorry for him not, right now. Not at all. Not at all. He is, he is taking some time with his girls on vacation, and uh, uh, I'm sure just having a high-ho yes. time. Uh, in today uh, with us is my uh, business partner, Janet Walker, and my uh, pod partner, as we call yes. them here at, uh, at Gen Wealth, uh, Candace Stanley. Welcome in, ladies. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Uh, so let's, let's start with a little bit of a checkup here. Uh, you guys, uh, Janet, lesser so than, than Candace. Us, but uh, we all are meeting with clients uh, these days, meeting with new clients, meeting with existing clients. Uh, what's the pulse? How are people feeling right now in the face of this bear market, the first one we've really had in, in a prolonged one, let me put it that yeah. way, since 2008? How are people really feeling? Candace? They're, they're a little uneasy. They're coming in and worried what's going to happen. They want to know. They want answers. You know, but you would say uneasy, but not panicked. No, not panicked. No, not panicked. Just kind of like, hey, where's this going? Okay, And and I think you guys will agree and and probably have had a similar observation. I think it depends on how new they are to GenWealth Mm -hmm. and how well they understand the process that we utilize. And if they if they've maybe heard the story before about how we prepare for things like this, when they hear it now, man, they're completely tuned in. Mm-hmm. And and they'll come out of this time period understanding that's why this is a different process. It, it's, it's really in preparation for times like this. So when they understand the process, they're, they're not as concerned about it. It's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's why we did everything we did coming up to this point. Yeah, and I think it depends on whether – like how far they are in retirement yeah if they're still accumulating then they're worried am i still going to be able to retire when we said you know so then they're going to be a little uneasy but if we have some that are you know several years into retirement they understand their plan and that their income is not interrupted usually they're not panicked or worried yeah. at all. Yeah, and I think that's the the magic, if you will, or the, the secret sauce, if you will, the way that we plan here at GenWealth is that we lock in their their base level uh income right and and that really does speak to what i like to call their economy our clients economy not the world economy or not the u.s economy it is their economy and when they know that they know that that paycheck is coming in along with social security and a pension if they have one then they feel a lot better because most of the variance if you will on any of the money that we've got invested for them tends to be on their discretionary income as opposed to the income that's paying the grocery bill. Yeah, and you just feel differently about things when you know, look, I don't I don't really care about all the details that might or might not happen as far as the economy and the markets. 
I care about my income level and I know that I'm never going to have less than X amount of income coming in. There is a security that comes from that that is important, frankly, to a retiree in an environment like we're facing right now. On the radio, uh, we have, uh, and also sent out to a lot of our, our clients, we have the fastest four minutes in finance. And uh, today I got to geek out on that a little bit <laughs> and, and talk about why we're having this inflation that we're having. And so I would invite you to catch that on radio or on our website or, or wherever you might get it. If you get it by email, that would be fine too. But I do think that it is important that we think that we think and talk about inflation because I think almost as much as the bear market, uh, people are concerned about rising prices and, and whether this is transitory or not, uh, is still a big question. But I think that is a, a major effect on our clients economy. Let's talk about some numbers on this, about you know how much people love to spend, how much we're seeing an impact from inflation. This is from McKinsey & Company. Uh, this is 2022 U.S. Consumer Spending Survey. U.S. inflation grew to nearly 8.5% in March of this year, with the May 2021 to March 2022 period showing the highest in, uh, increase in inflation in a decade. But catch that the inflation rate was 8.5 percent but u.s consumers spent 18 percent more in march of 2022 than they did two years earlier and 12 percent more than they were uh, forecast to spend based on the pre-covid 19 trajectory so the deal is the numbers in personal spending are going up higher than the rate of inflation. And so when we're talking about spending uh, today versus saving, we understand what's going on at the gas pumps. We understand what's going on when you get the total on your groceries. We we understand that inflation is a very real, tangible thing at this point. At the same time, we think it's critically important at this point for you to look at what is your reality in terms of spending relative to how much inflation has gone up? Has your spending increased more than inflation has? So let's play a little game here for just a second. Let's say you ladies are in the widget business and I'm in the market for some widgets. Okay. And let's say that your widgets are priced at $200 a piece. And I come in and you go, well, you know, we don't have very many widgets right now, but uh, they're $200 a piece. And uh, I go, well, um, could I, could if I paid you two twenty dollars for them, could I get them then? And you'd go, mm, yeah, maybe so, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so you would run around and stir up a few more widgets and fill my order at two twenty, dollars right? Right. So then if, if, let's say, Scott, as an example, comes in behind me, and he goes, hey, I need some widgets. How we're much f- are they? We're fresh out. So now, if you need them in a hurry, they're going to be $300. There you go. And if Scott is willing to pay $300 for those widgets, yep. then all of a sudden we have inflation. Yeah. We've seen this play out time after time after time, especially, Candace, in the housing market. This has been something that's been crazy that we've observed of people just getting dead set that they're going to buy a house, this house, any house, and they'll pay whatever. Yeah, especially if they have a job change and they have to move. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, they're going to have to, and they're willing to pay a lot more than they normally would because, gosh darn it, they've got to have somewhere to live, right? 
Yeah, it, it, it really is almost a, a, a bit of an insanity that has, has mm-hmm. captured people. I remember going to Florida on vacation uh, about a year ago. And I went down there and I was curious. And so I was like, I wonder what one of these nice little beach houses would go for. Mm -hmm. And so I had a friend that was in the real estate business and they connected me with a realtor and they took me and showed me a few of them. And and they're like, oh, 1.2, 1.3. And I was like, "Okay, that sounds rather high. And then I got on the app on the Realtor.com app and looked at the history of that house. You know, two years ago, it was selling for $500,000. Yep. And Mm -hmm. there were people lined up to buy these houses. Mm -hmm. There was a waiting list for a... At the 1.2, not at the 500. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. There was a waiting list at a development just off the coast that you had a lottery. and, And if you got picked, then you could pay them to hold the property for you to build a house in wow. their development. Wow. It, I've never seen anything like it. So when you have that going on, that's a problem. You have the factor of oil prices going up, really almost unrelated to anything in the U.S. economy. It's all very much related to what's going on internationally with Putin and things of that nature. You got that happening, and there's really not a, a culprit there other than Vladimir Putin. Yeah. What you're going to do about that? You're going to pay it because you've got to go and, and drive. Now, obviously, people are, are, you know, cutting back on driving and things of that nature, mm-hmm. unnecessary driving. And that is going to have an effect. Here's my point about all of this. I believe that as time goes on, the effect of the wealth effect that we've had in this country where there people have discretionary money, where they can spend 18 percent more than they did two years ago that is going to run out and when that runs out or when people get tired of doing that and they go okay no more then you will see inflation moderate i don't think that there is this systemic issue going on right now at least i hope not within the federal uh, government uh, you know mechanisms that they have for manipulating this i don't think it's like it was in the 70s that yeah. we just had really persistent inflation i think we've been through a period where the the supply chains all got screwed mm-hmm, up mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden people were charging way more than what they normally did for things and i think this too will revert back to the mean well and I I think consumers feel about inflation the same way that they feel about the markets. And that is that wherever we are right now is permanent. You know, how many times have we seen people react? The market goes down and they're like, oh, no, this time it's different. This time it's the end of the world. This Mm -hmm. time I'm going to lose everything I've ever invested. And and it's not that way. It's not permanent. It's the right now, but it's not permanent. And the same is true of inflation. It is our right now. But it's not permanent. And so how do you adjust in the right now so that your permanent, whatever it is, is okay? So you adjust by trying to change maybe your demeanor as as a, a, a an economy, if you will, a, a person your who personal your economy. personal economy, change that demeanor from being a spender to a saver. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a hard transition. There's not a lot of people that self-identify as savers out there. Well, and, and guys, I think it's important to treat that as a dial. Candace, I, I think you would readily agree that most people are not 100% spenders or 100% savers. But if you think of it like a dimmer switch instead of a light switch that's just on or off, mm-hmm. 
adjust that that dimmer switch to get it more on the side of saving and less on the side of spending and that really helps people psychologically to be like okay i can cut out i'm not going to cut out 20 things but i can cut out two or three yeah and a lot of time when we're meeting with couples a lot of times one of them's the spender and one of them is the saver. Yeah. And so that's a good balance. You know, I like to say in my house that we have a, a spender and a half, you know, <laughs> I'm a little bit of both not to throw my husband under the bus, but you know, there's a balance there regardless, but you know, you know what we, we savers need spenders in our lives because otherwise we would never have an ounce of fun because fun <laughs> yeah. costs money in most cases. And yeah. so, yeah. um, I, my husband is, he is a good blend of understanding the importance of saving, but also being comfortable with spending at a reasonable level. Yeah. And so that that's been really good for us. So yeah. let's let's hold to the gen wealth tradition of being education driven. Yeah. And and let's figure out and and help people to understand how you make that shift. It's one thing to talk about it, but how do you really do it? What is the first step, ladies, in in trying to to transition from being a spender to a saver? One of the things is just creating a barrier. You know, when we were talking about before the show started today, we were talking about paper checks and paper money. And Candace said, I like those automatic deposits. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> you know, but what happened there, we don't often talk about the psychology of this. Used to when we got paid, we got a physical check and we had to go to the bank. And if we needed any cash, we got it then because there was no such thing as an ATM card. I know it just made a lot of people's heads explode. But, you know, we lived in a time when there were no ATM cards and you had to have cash or you had to have checks. And that was it. And so there was more time that you were required to tie to thinking about payday. Because otherwise the money didn't get in the bank or it didn't get in your wallet and you couldn't go spend anything. Now it goes in electronically and catch this, it comes out electronically. And we don't have to think about it. Sometimes you don't even notice that your utility was your utility bill was seventy five dollars higher than it was last month. It comes in and out automatically and you don't think about it. I think the intentionality of creating a barrier where your money doesn't flow necessarily out the door without you knowing it is a big deal. Yeah. When you mentioned checks, you know, back in the day when there was only cash and checks, there was this little thing called a register as well. Yes. And you would track your spending that way. That way you would know your balance in your account. Well, now when we've got a debit card that we can just swipe and swipe and swipe, I think there's sometimes maybe we forget to do that. Yeah. Um, and, and I use um, a program that works just like a register instead of writing it down on on a physical register i keep track of it online that way i always know where where we stand mm-hmm. um and and not passing that barrier that we have yeah now just like the the advent of technology in banking has made it easier to spend money it also is easier to save money because yeah. that technology can then when you get paid dump a, a nice chunk into your savings account mm-hmm. but it's interesting that we're really quick to spend electronically but we're really not quick 
to set up those automatic debits to save. Yeah, that's something we've talked several times on the show just because this is the, the stage of life where I am right now. Our son is 19 and he's earning, you know, kind of grown up money for the first time in his life. And so we're having a lot of conversations around budgeting and saving and investing and how you do that. And he's taking care of his Roth IRA investing. That's automated. So that happens on a regular basis. And it, and he doesn't really have to think about it. We track it for him or he tracks it. And we've taught him how to do that. But, but he doesn't have to think about it on an ongoing basis. But his savings... This is not right for everybody, and it's not right for every stage of life, but for him, he's paid hourly, and so every check is going to be a little bit different, not a lot, but a little bit, and so we, each time he gets paid, we go through and, and intentionally, he makes a decision about how much is going into savings and what that's labeled for, like vehicle replacement years down the road. He's never had a car payment. He doesn't want to ever have a car payment. So that those types of things that he's doing very intentionally. But if you're at a different stage of life, if your income is more predictable than what his is, you can very easily automate that either from HR at work where, you know, X percent or X dollar amount always goes into savings and the rest of it goes to my checking or you can automate it at your bank where there's just an automatic transfer from checking to savings on a certain day of the month. That's what I do on mine is after every pay period, five days after the day I'm supposed to get paid, there is a set amount that transfers from checking to savings every time. Yeah, I have my uh, Roth contributions automated as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, when we're talking about additional savings, just uh, not in retirement, but just additional savings for, you know, an emergency fund or a vacation fund or something like that, um, treat it like a bill. Yep. You know, if, if you'll already have a mindset that, you know, here's my electric, here's my utilities, right, um, groceries, here's what we're going to set aside for gas. Oh, I need to put aside savings. That gives you the permission to, you know, spend what's in your checking account if, if that's how um, you want to do things. But if you'll treat it like a bill, then you'll always know it's coming and you create that habit. Mm-hmm. Janet, when you were talking about your son uh, sitting down and, and physically going, okay, I want to save this much money and right. that, that type of thing. It really struck me that that oftentimes people either are uncomfortable dealing with money and they don't want to have to deal with it on an every two week or every mm-hmm, week basis mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. Or conversely, they're lazy and just don't do it. And yeah. But I think that that automation Mm-hmm. can be a, a real blessing to somebody that sure. does need the discipline but doesn't want to do it every month. And right. I think that's where we're, we're going with that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's good. You're listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. It's, uh, we're talking today about how to save money when you're not a saver. And I think the second point here is really – I'm sorry, the third point here is really very profound – for some people out there is you need to understand the the penalties for early withdrawal of savings. Now, in your savings account, there is no penalty for early withdrawal, but longer term accounts like IRAs, 401k plans, Roth IRAs, things of that nature, you do have consequences for pulling money out of those long-term savings programs. Yeah, every now and then we'll have a client ask us, hey, you know, I really want to um, buy this. What do you think about taking it out of my 401k? Uh, And we'll say, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. You are not 59 and a half. um, So here's why that's not a good idea. Um, And it's going to be because of those penalties. Your 401k is not um, ideal 
for uh, vacation funds or um, you know buying large purchases and that's also just going to put you farther behind in your retirement savings as well so not only will you pay taxes and penalties on that it's going to put you farther behind in retirement because the growth that that money would have yep. grown to in the future it, it's it's robbing your future self and guys one of the the distinctions that we make is the difference between saving and investing if it's something that you're going to do within the next five years, I would look at that as savings and you use your savings account for things like that because it's a short term goal. If it's beyond a five year period of time, then that is more of an investing deal and we put it in there and we leave it alone. And again, as we've talked about here, if it gets put into an investment account that is labeled as an IRA of any type, then you're not going to want to, even if it's if it's six or seven years, you don't put that money in IRA money because that needs to be even a longer term. So there is definitely a distinction between saving short term and investing longer term and then a further distinction in investing about whether it's specifically for retirement money or other purposes. And that, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. Uh, I was going to say, and there may be different levels of savings. Sure. We want to have our emergency funds. So our three to six uh, months of expenses just set aside in cash where we just never touch that. That's just for emergencies. Then we may have a vacation fund and we may have a car fund because we need to replace our vehicles sometime in the future. And then also our retirement retirement savings. And you may need to open several accounts in order to accomplish that. Or you may be able to have one savings account and you're able to earmark that because you have the discipline to do so. Um, But if you say, well, I may end up eating into that, you may want to separate those accounts and it helps uh, to keep yourself accountable. We always talk about margin on this show and that savings account and that liquid cash account gives you a buffer or some margin against getting into your retirement accounts where there are those those larger penalties. And that's really what that's for. And I've had people come in and go, yeah, I don't want to drain my savings down. So I want to take it out of my retirement account. And I'm like, okay, let's really reset on <laughs> yeah. this and, and understand. And, and let's dive into the psychology about this just a little bit uh, and talk a bit, little bit about since we're trying to discipline ourselves to be savers as opposed to spenders, let's talk about what spending triggers there are. Because everybody has one or two or 10 or 20 or whatever the case may be. (laughs) But uh, what are the things that you guys see that cause people to uh, be triggered to spend money? So, you know, when we're running errands, I mean, we deserve to go get ourselves an iced coffee, right? We deserve it. Yeah. 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 That's common. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For me, it's retail therapy. It's uh, it's if uh, if I if I think I need, you know, a pair of socks, I probably come home with three outfits or something like yeah. that, you yeah. know, uh, and that's that's my that's my trigger. That's my vice. But what triggers that to me? It's stress. And I, I mm-hmm. actually the retail therapy is therapy for whatever stress I've been dealing mm-hmm. with at work. And mm-hmm. that's that tends to be my trigger. Janet, what about you? I, I am really not a spender. I, I don't necessarily have triggers, but I am I am keenly aware of 
the ease of purchasing things and the psychology that is behind that. So I'll just use Amazon as an example. And and we we use Amazon, uh, especially, you know, I think there were a lot of people who maybe weren't using it pre-COVID, but then COVID went, okay, you're, you're going to need to just order some stuff instead of going and get it because that's the way things work during COVID. And then you've continued to do that. And so you think of the most random item at 7.45 p.m. on a Thursday evening. Hey, we need such and such. Well, yeah, okay. And you go to your computer and you click and you click and it's done. And it'll be at your house tomorrow. In the name of efficiency. In the name of efficiency. But there is not the name budget anywhere in that (laughs) at all where used to back in the old days you know like two years ago three years ago you would have to wait until the next day and go to a store and purchase it and you know what might happen is something something might get in the way of your pre-planned schedule that day and you don't make it to the store and you don't make that purchase and then you decide you know what we don't really need that it's okay like we can do this instead. There are so many things that are automated and we've talked about this many times the psychology of using cash. It chemically registers as pain when you hand somebody a $50 bill at the cash register and you are not going to go home still in possession of that $50 bill. It chemically registers in the same place in your brain as pain, like somebody just stomped your toe, okay? It feels the same chemically. But if you swipe a card, it doesn't feel the same. You put that card back in your wallet, and it's the same size as it was before you took it out. And this whole deal of tap to pay that it registers even less in your brain y'all this is not about saving you time it is absolutely not about saving you money it is about making your purchases easier that's why we have one click purchases if the purchase is easier you're more likely to spend more money scientifically proven just be aware of the game that is being played because you are a pawn in the game and i just thought about this as you were saying all of that What's the most uncool thing that you can do? It's go to a store. Yeah, you don't want to go to a store. You got to get out of your car and you got to walk in and you have to you know, deal with humans. You have to deal with humans <gasps> and all that sort of stuff. It's cooler to get on this thing right here, the my the, my the iPad. iPad, literally because it's 150 degrees outside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, all the reasons why you don't want to go to the store and endure that physical yeah. pain of yeah. that cash leaving your your account or your pocket or whatever the case may be. Uh, we have set ourselves up to be consumers and it's actually a good thing from the economy standpoint because heaven help us if the american consumer ever gives out but i will tell you that that we have got to have some balance in this you know uh we are we're going through this process i don't know how many people have heard yet of the united for ukraine program where uh, they're able to come to the united states uh, if they have a sponsor to Mm -hmm. come here and our family is very early in this process but we're going to be doing that and i was talking with a friend of mine from from college they are also sponsoring a family and he was talking to me about some advice that he received and i was like man there's so much wisdom in that um 
Ukrainians, and it's not that they don't have the capacity to do this. Their culture is just different. They don't have as many clothes as we do. They don't have as many things in their kitchen as we do. They don't, you know, it's just they don't have as much stuff in life. And he said, you know, the natural desire is I want to do everything for them. Like their whole world is falling apart. They're coming here. Let's just give them everything. And the caution was don't destroy who they are with Americanism. And I was like, man, there's so much wisdom in that because it would be overwhelming to them to have all of that stuff. That's who we are. It's not who they are. And I think it's a challenge to us to think differently. Like, how much stuff do you really need? Like, what really matters? Yeah, Hmm. I, I I would definitely agree with that. All right, final item here on our list Number five is to set exciting goals. Now, I love this. This is really cool Mm -hmm. uh, because if you set an exciting goal, then you're motivated to save. And then all of a sudden you're breaking that psychology of spend, spend, spend and go into debt or whatever the case may be. Save for that goal and then make it happen. There is very little financially that is as gratifying as setting an, an exciting goal and then actually attaining that goal. It's really a, a good thing. So uh, how do you go about really thinking about doing that? I think about that, uh, like for us, planning for a vacation mm-hmm. is exciting for us. Um, and part of planning for a vacation is just the journey, not actually the physical journey when we take the trip, but even thinking about all the things that we're going to do. And so setting aside for our vacation every year is always fun for us because we just think about what that trip's going to be like and the time that we're going to spend together. And it's even fun thinking about it and planning for it than actually when we get there and do it. Janet, it has to be very tangible, very measurable, and it can't be just save more. Yeah, absolutely. We are huge fans of sinking funds because a sinking fund, whether it's for a vacation or a vehicle or whatever, it has a label. It has a purpose. So you're not just saving more. As John said, you're saving more for a specific purpose. I'll use the example of my my daughter. If you have uh, teenage children, they will never be more motivated to save for a vehicle than they are for their first one because their first one represents independence their freedom to go and do without having mom or dad or a friend or a sibling as a chauffeur and so our kids we had the deal at our house of look whatever you save we're going to match you dollar for dollar if you save a dollar we're going to match you a dollar and you can go buy a hot wheels car and that'll be your first vehicle good luck going anywhere (laughs) but that's what you saved and that's what we're going to match and if you save you know thousands then we're going to match thousands so our kids took that to heart our our son uh was was blessed in that he wound up inheriting a vehicle so he hasn't gotten his match because he didn't need it Uh, but our daughter who just turned 16 um, she has saved, uh, her goal was 13000 and she's at $6,400. Now, we did, this was a little bit, this was completely not planned. We stumbled upon the perfect vehicle for her. We weren't even looking yet. We stumbled upon it in December. So we, as parents, went ahead and bought it because she wasn't planning on doing it until the end of this summer. But what where this puts her, though, is 
on her very next paycheck. So really two months earlier than she had planned, she's going to give us the $6,500 that is half of the 13000 that we spent on her vehicle. Y'all, she could not be more excited about it. And she already has the vehicle, but she's still so highly motivated to be like, now it's mine. You know, it was a really big deal for her to do that. I, I'm so glad that, and and I know everybody's wired differently, I'm so glad that she has had this um, responsibility to get to this point that, you know, if you don't do it, we're not going to match and good luck to you finding, you know, transportation. She has owned that responsibility and has loved it. And I firmly believe that she will never in her life have a car payment because she had the joy of saving for this one and and it means more to her. Yeah, and what what a sense of pride too that have this goal and then yeah. accomplish it, you know, at 16 years yeah. old and know that she could do it. Yeah, it, you know? exactly. It's incredible the the psychology that goes into the whole money thing. You know, yeah, I think that one of the things that really uh, gives saving a bad name is the perception that you can't have any fun. Mm-hmm. But you actually can you have can. fun because you if you budget for fun, you can have fun freely and and have it guilt free as opposed to feeling bad about right. it later on when you have to pay the bill. Yeah, I, I look at a at a budget as me telling my money what it what I want it to do rather than the budget telling me what I can't do. And it's the same budget. It's just a completely different, uh, it's a shift in your mindset that is important. If you're ever going to use a budget successfully, you have to look at it as a can instead of can't. It's all about financial independence, and you won't ever get to financial independence without some degree of discipline in your money and in your savings. We believe in financial independence as you uh, get ready to transition into retirement, but that really is not something that you start with at 55 or 60 years old. It's really something that you, you begin with early on in life, and if you are in that situation where you need to begin to save, we can certainly help you to understand the planning aspect of that here at Gen Wealth, you certainly all you have to do is reach out to us and we would be more than happy to help you with that. And there is the final bell. Let's uh, wrap up our final thoughts on the show today. We'll start with Janet. I would say there is no shame in being a natural spender. Again, everybody's wired differently. I am more of a saver. And so people who come in who are spenders are like, is it okay? I'm a spender. It's okay. Mm -hmm. But the deal for both you and for me is that we have to have balance. I have to, as a saver, I have to find balance in that I need to budget for fun things. As a spender, if that's you, you've got to find balance so that you can have fun in the future as well. So you need to to dial it up or dial it down depending on where you are and find balance between that spending and saving. Candace, your final thoughts? Yeah, I was just going to kind of recap um, creating a barrier for your savings. I'm not going to spend below this amount is Mm -hmm. always good. Um, we talked about automating it today. So whether that's at your bank where you automate automate it or with your uh, payroll department, if you automate into savings, that's always a great thing. Understanding that if you take out of your uh, qualified or your retirement savings, that there could be penalties um, and taxes involved there. Know your spending triggers and set exciting goals. 
Yeah, and I think that if you look at this in the context of what we do here at GenWealth on a regular basis in terms of retirement, it really is important to have some discipline in that as well. The GenWealth Ready to Retire process covers seven key areas, and those are investment strategy, social security maximization, creating guaranteed income to meet your basic needs, protect against inflation, address long-term care needs, reduce taxes, and it's all documented in a written plan. If you need help with that, give us a call, 501-653-7355. We'll be glad to help you. That's going to be it for the Get Ready for the Future show for this week. For the entire Gen Wealth crew, I'm John Shrewsbury. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And you can always find us on social media. Search for Gen Wealth Financial Advisors on Facebook or on Twitter at Gen Wealth FA. The Gen Wealth Financial team is available to you 24 7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866 653 PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. 